Morning America, The Daily Answer, with your host, Mark Dunnigan. Well, most people are at least aware of the idea of a Judgment Day. Even non-Christians, I think, many of them are aware of that concept, in which all human beings will stand before the Creator. Yet, the Bible also speaks of a judgment that happens right after we die. And there are a number of passages which teach or stress that our death, at at our death, our eternal destiny is decided, sealed, can't be changed. Case in point, the rich man in Luke 16, 24 and 25, he's denied even the smallest bit of mercy after his death. He was in torment and he is told that there is a great gulf that separates him from the saved. And he is he is given no promise that that will end or ever change. But Hebrews nine twenty seven, inasmuch as it's appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. Second Peter two verse nine, the Lord knows how to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And so here are people spoken of being under punishment. That is being judged and suffering, but awaiting a day of judgment. In Jude 7, the inhabitants of the ancient cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are said to be undergoing the punishment of eternal fire, and that is long before the final judgment. So the question would naturally arise if the fate of a human being is settled at death without any second chances then why is there any need for the judgment day? And I want to give you some things to ponder. First of all, even though our fate is decided at death, there is still the need for a number of things to happen, such as the resurrection of the body. Many passages speak speak of all the dead being raised on the same final day. John 5, 29 An hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment or a bodily resurrection that ends in judgment or condemnation. John 640, Jesus talked about raising, uh, raising us up on the last day. And Acts 2415 there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And so that's something that still is out there in the future. Uh, Death will lose. Death will even lose the bodies of the unfaithful. Death will lose. But also there needs to be the removal of the physical universe. 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burned up. Revelation 20 verse 11 speaks of the same event. But why does the final judgment have to be so public? That is, why do we have to stand before Christ? 2 Corinthians 5 11 stand together all at the same time. And there are many passages that seem to indicate that, that all nations will come before him and he will separate them like the sheep from the goats. Matthew 25, 31 through 32. 
Revelation 20 verse 12 speaks of the small and the great standing before the judge. Why couldn't God just deal with each one of us privately? Hmm. Let's take a look at that. There are a number of reasons I could see that. One is God wants to reveal to all who live those who are truly faithful. One of the rewards for the righteous will be glory and honor. Romans 2 verse 7. And as the righteous are praised, I think you'll see the following details emerge. The faithful had challenges like everybody else. The faithful fought against strong temptations. Paul said, I buffet my body. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. In fact, the world might be surprised to learn that the faithful overcame struggles and temptations that were at times far more than they even faced. It wasn't that living the Christian life was easier for Christians or somehow Christianity fit their temperament better. And I think a lot of people have that misunderstanding is that, well, that person that's a Christian, they, they, they just don't want to go out and have any fun anyway, right? Um, the, 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 they're, they're not somebody that wants to, you know, indulge in bodily delights and etc. cetera. Um, that's not true. Christians face the same temptation everybody else faces. The thing is, though, they refuse to excuse behavior like that. Um, they could have been selfish, incredibly selfish. They could have been evil. They could have done the things that others did, but they decided to side with God because they, have a, they had a love for God and a love for truth. And that love was stronger than the desire for immediate gratification. You know, the faithful really did try to help a lot of people. I think that's going to come out. They were involved in the most important work in the world. And the faithful could have, you know, I mean, there were situations that could have discouraged them. And they, they could have yielded to all sorts of things. They could have allowed all sorts of fears and worries to dominate them. They could have cracked. They could have sunk far down in the pit of depression, but instead they focused on Jesus and they trusted him. The other would be that at the judgment, God is glorified. In a sense, judgment day will be the final argument in which all the excuses will be dealt with in silence. What will surface on that day? Well, I think we'll see everyone had a good chance to obey God. Not just a chance, a good chance, and multiple chances. And it came to them at times on a platter, wrapped in a ribbon. And they did have the ability to serve him. And they did come into contact with people that had the truth. And they had to work really, really hard at not obeying it. You know, Romans one twenty says that God's existence is so clear from just looking at creation. That man, all people, everywhere, since the beginning of time, are without excuse. Also, that God was very merciful to the unfaithful in this life. You know, in Luke 16, 25, God or Abraham tells the rich man, remember that during your life, you received good things. 
that God was kind even to evil and ungrateful people, even selfish people, God was kind to. In the life of one person after another, all will see the many good opportunities that people had to change, to improve their marriages, to stay in their marriage, to make things work, to overcome addiction, to obey the gospel, to remain faithful. Not only that, but I think we'll learn that people did not miss heaven on a technicality or one sin that they could never see, but dread, but rather it was a general attitude and practice of lawlessness, Matthew 7, 22. We'll also learn that many people had the truth, knew it, knew it well, but suppressed it and did not share it with others, Romans 18, or excuse me, Romans 1, 18. And that God had providentially sought to save each individual many times. And that people actually could understand the Bible alike. All the real reasons will come out as to why people did not serve him or remain faithful. It wasn't that the Bible was too confusing or an issue was too difficult. And it had nothing really to do to suffer with the suffering of innocent people. And it wasn't an intellectual stumbling block, but rather it was a desire to avoid persecution, to be popular, to live for self, to impress other people for a thousand other reasons. We will also learn that even the famous and the powerful had the opportunity to learn the truth and often heard and understood it at first hearing. Look at Acts 24, 25 and Acts 26, 28. The truth about sin or various sins will also serve us. None of the behavior described and condemned in the Bible was inborn. Nobody was born that way. It was chosen. It was chosen by the individual. When the individual had access to another choice. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That's voluntary. Which side you are on will also be evident. Those who did the most damage within our culture to lead people astray, whether in the media, political voices, educators, businessmen, writers, musicians, CEOs, entertainers, and so on. The great conspiracy of this world will be unmasked. Determine to see through the lives and lies and live a life of holiness and eager anticipation of this great day that you will ever experience. In a sense, at the judgment day, all the lies will be exposed. All the masks will be taken off. I think of 2 Corinthians 5.11 we cited earlier that we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. That word, that phrase there, made manifest, is the idea of you will be exposed as you are. You can't hide beside, uh, behind a mask. Uh, you cannot pretend to be somebody else. And you're not going to be able to float a lie. We're going to be, uh, and all the truth is going to come out. The real reasons that people did not obey God. The real reasons that people fell away. The real reasons that people taught error. Yeah, the real reason 
the people that people did not stay in that marriage. The real reasons will come out. My friend, repent. And I say that to myself as well. Come clean, own up, confess your sins to God. If you're not a Christian, the Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And at the judgment day, it will be revealed that that verse meant what it said. You need to be baptized to be saved. You need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm Mark Dunnigan. This is The Daily Answer. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers.